Hello, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mainly from sweating while we sleep. Routine has come up with a proprietary new product called Morning Routine. Each packet of Morning Routine comes in a single-serve pack that you just tear open and dump into water. Shake it up, and you're good to go. Each packet contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. If you'd like to check out Routine or any of their other products, they also sell green superfoods, vitamin D gummies, apple cider vinegar gummies, elderberry gummies, and soon they're going to have even more. So check them out at yourroutine.com. If you guys are interested and want to give it a try, make sure to use code SHANEWHITE30 at checkout to receive 30% off your first order. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. Today's episode is also brought to you by Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein, gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contains only one gram of sugar. That's right. For all of us who love donuts but never want to eat them because they can obviously just destroy your diet and you end up eating way more than you should, Elite Sweets has brought us a healthier version that's packed with protein, gluten-free, keto-friendly, and low in sugar. I can I can vouch for these. They're unbelievable. They're a staple in our house and uh, fantastic food, fantastic brand. Get yours today at either EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. For those of you who use Amazon, they're also selling on there. And the discount code ShaneWhite30 gets you 30% off, and it's good on both platforms, which is pretty cool. Something, uh, you know, not very many brands do. So check them out. All right, everybody. Today's episode, we have a guy named Ken Rideout on the podcast. This guy, honestly, I reached out to him. I saw him uh, really hanging around before a big UFC fight, uh, not in person, but I saw it through Instagram, I think. Um, some of the people he was with, I followed and kind of checked him out through Instagram and realized he's a father of four. Um, he's worked in finance for a long time. He's an entrepreneur now. He started a business that is uh, taking off, and we dive into some of that. And he's also partnered up with one of the best coaches in boxing history that has their own podcast together. Uh, he's just a hustler, and I thought he'd be such a cool guy to get on the podcast. One of the you know things that stood out to me the most was he has not – you know, been a professional fighter per se, but he has a standout podcast in the industry, which is phenomenal. And, and honestly, hands off to him. And then on top of it, uh, he's never been a competitive endurance runner, but he just started running. He started running. He started doing triathlons. We'll get into it, but he's now winning marathons. Um, you know, he's really gotten a lot of steam in the last few months by some of these incredible places. He's gotten some of the world's best marathons, um, you know, so He's a really cool guy, very well-rounded, into a lot of cool things. I think a lot of you would resonate with this guy, and uh, I loved our conversation. So without further ado, give it up for Ken Rideout. Sweet. 
All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I'm pumped today. I got the man Ken right out on the podcast. Ken, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you, brother. That introduction's got me feeling a little pressure now. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. We're pressure, just to, pressure to perform. <laughs> sometimes I feel like the intro, I just like one day I came up with it and I, I feel like sometimes I over amp the, the intro. I'm like, maybe I should just hit record and start going. Um, but no, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. This is, this is cool. I was trying to also think back to where I first saw you. And then I know we interacted on Instagram and I think, I, I think you, it might've been when you were at the, the Jake Paul fight. I feel like that's when a lot of people saw you like, dude, I don't know if it was through Devin or someone I follow posted about you and I clicked <laughs> on your thing. I'm like, Oh, this guy's a badass. I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's, it's always interesting when people say, Oh, I saw you at this. I saw you at that. I'm like, Man, I've been around a long time. I can't believe it took that long to find me. Well, you're, I'm also surprised when anyone found me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you kind of have uh what do I say? You you're involved in a lot of like very different things. So I think you have the chance of of bumping into people or people coming across you in a lot of different ways. So yes. Speaking of that, would you mind giving everyone just a super high level background of of you? What do you do? What do you like, you know, just your background? How would you describe yourself, Ken? Oh my God, that's a that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that in, uh, maybe ever. Um, I don't know how to describe myself. First, as a, a husband and a dad, I've got four young kids that are uh, they're my motivation in general. Um, I, I work in finance. Um, I just recently launched a um, with a couple of partners, a financial um, services company. We we finance inventory. It's called oh. Upside Financing. We provide inventory financing for CPG brands specifically. So consumer packaged goods, we basically bridge the gap between their um, inventory from the time they place an inventory order until the time they get paid by a uh, retailer or wherever they're shipping their goods. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah, um, we, we, we can come back to that. But I'm also, I also would consider, I've never really thought of myself as a runner, but I guess I've come started recently to get recognized for some of my running um, accolades or achievements. Um, I've done Ironman in Hawaii three times. I've won a bunch of running races, but you know, it's important to point out that I didn't start running or riding my bike or competing in endurance sports till I was in my mid thirties. I'm 50 now. I just turned 50 this year. Um, so yeah, uh, finance, endurance athlete, uh, and probably, uh, my, my favorite activity is hosting the, uh, podcast, the fight with Teddy Atlas. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, all cover, three of those. we cover Great. MMA and boxing. Yeah. With my partner, Teddy Atlas. And, uh, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, you're doing, well, first of all, I, I knew you were in finance, but that's really cool because I didn't really get into it before we hit record, but CPG is like my world. I, I just actually, I work at a RX bar, which is, you know, like a protein bar company. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's mm -hmm. been my world. And then on here, I mean, you've had uh, 70 co-founders of CPG brands uh, on here. So that that's funny. That's, uh, there was a connection I didn't even know we had. So there we go. Um, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a chameleon. I tell you what. Yeah. Cause that, and then the running, um, it's funny. I've run, I've run one half marathon and I've run the New York city marathon in 2017 and did so bad that I've not run. <laughs> I haven't run another marathon since, but you were some, you've been some motivation lately for me to be like, you know what, maybe I should try to get back into running. Cause this guy is just, 
I don't know. It's you, your times and some of the stuff you've been able to achieve lately has been incredible. That's, I think that's probably how I started interacting with you first and foremost. So, I mean, there's a lot to break down there. Would you mind giving everyone, I guess, how did you even get, let's start with finance. How did you even get into finance? That's just something you, you always wanted to do and you studied in school and then started working in finance. No, not exactly. When I graduated from high school, I started working as a guard in a prison. And um, while I went to college, I went to Framingham State College. I paid for that myself while I worked at the prison. I played football and hockey in college and I got a degree in sociology. And then as I started working in the prison, I very quickly realized that this is absolutely not the career path for me. I don't want to be around these people, not the inmates, but the other guards. And uh, I was like, this is, this can't be the end for me. Like this, this is not what I'm going to do. And I, um, funny enough, I moved to New York and I had a a pharmaceutical sales job for about a month. It it was horrible, but I I needed to, I needed, uh, I needed a job and I needed to get out of Boston. I just, there was a lot of bad influences there. I was making bad decisions, drinking, doing drugs, and just acting a fool. And um, I moved to New York, was working in um, the pharmaceutical gig, and I was going to the gym. And there were a bunch of like finance bros there. And I was like, "These can we curse on this show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let it rip. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> these guys are fucking dorks. And if they're making this much money, I'm going to go do what they're doing because they're betas and I'm an alpha and I know that I can kick their asses. And um, I, I literally got a, an entry level job uh, as an interdealer broker, like, a, like uh, you know, not an intern, but I mean, low man on the totem pole. It was sucked. I mean, it was I could see where I could see that I was on the right path, but, you know, getting shouted at and talked down to by a bunch of people that I considered to be losers um, was very uh, demoralizing. <laughs> so I only lasted a few weeks before I got fired from that job for slapping someone in the face. <laughs> and, um, but very quickly w- when that happened, I was covering some young guys at Enron um, trading electricity. It's a long story, but basically they told their boss who was like the equivalent of the Gordon Gecko of electricity trading, like the biggest trader in the market. He heard what happened. He was from Boston. He called one of our competitors. I was so naive. I didn't even know we had competitors. I knew nothing of finance. And um, they, they hired me basically on the spot at this guy's request. And unbeknownst to me, when I started the following week, I, he was now my client and we started and the, the desk, the, the trading desk that I went to was terrible, but very quickly we started dominating the market. And, uh, I was becoming like the biggest producer on the desk and this all happened very quickly. Anyway, then I, I, I ran, uh, commodities sales and trading for Europe and Asia for Cantor Fitzgerald. Um, Enron went bust. I then transitioned, um, into fit into, um, when Enron went bust and nine 11 happened, I worked at Cantor. We were on the top floor of the world trade center. I came back to New York and took over their credit derivatives business. Oh, wow. Um, again, I knew nothing of credit derivatives. I was always kind of like fake it till you make it and just figure it out on the fly. And, um, I got a couple of really good clients early on and then quickly, um, uh, started just jamming in right when synthetic CDOs and, and credit derivatives started to get big. And I, um, 
I always knew that being a broker of these products was a good job and there was, you could make good money, but it wasn't necessarily a good career. You were mm. beholden to like your clients. If something happened to your clients, it was like lights out for you. You know, you were only as good as your clients. Sure. And um, I didn't want to be beholden to anyone else for my success and failure. So in time, I luckily I, I got the opportunity to move to the banking side to the sell side, working at Natixis, a French bank, um, covering hedge funds, again, doing credit derivatives. And this was right before the financial crisis hit. So I was there, it was great until it wasn't. We were, sell we were structuring and selling synthetic CDOs. The, everything we were doing blew up massively. Um, and I transitioned into a just straight vanilla, vanilla uh, fixed income sales. And I went to um, credit agricole. So I was, I was working in, in sales and trading for many years. And then in 2015, I started a FinTech company with a friend of mine from Goldman Sachs. I moved out to LA to cover the West coast. He stayed in New York. We eventually merged it with a competitor. And at that point I was riding my bike and I met a guy in LA who ran an asset management firm that was owned by a bank. After riding, I mean, when I say riding my bike, like we would ride like a hundred miles Saturday, fifty miles Sunday. Like yeah, really, classic Ken. Ken. Yeah, uh, like riding, <laughs> and the, and, the, and and that's a lot of time to spend one on one. And a guy lived right across the street from me, and he he ended up becoming one of my best friends. He hired me. He, he, I said, let me come run business development for you and raise some discretionary money, and we'll raise some discretionary funds. Now I had never done this before, but I knew it could be done. And he was like, well, you don't really have any experience. So I said, look, I'll do it for free until we get it cracking. And, and after a few weeks, it was obvious there was a fit. And um, yeah, I, we raised two discretionary funds from like big household institutional endowment insurance company type clients where wow. I think a lot of people were like, holy shit, look at what they, look at what they did. I, did. I felt the same way when it happened. I was like, holy shit, we did it. And um after we raised a couple funds and things were going great, I was just antsy and I didn't, I had the opportunity to go and raise money for a guy named um, David Sinclair, who's a mm. genetics professor from Harvard Medical School. He has a book out called Lifespan and um, we just hit it off and I raised money for his company called Life Bioscience in Boston as a third party placement agent. So I did that for a few years and that was fantastic. And then I started to, while I was doing that, I started to focus on CPG brands in the health and wellness space and started to invest, uh, invest and raise capital for these, for these uh, brands. And the way I would work is basically like if I would only take the mandate if it was something I wanted to invest in, because then when I would pitch it to my own friends slash clients, I'd be like, look, here, here's a cool opportunity. I think we should do it. And they would say, are you investing? I'd say, yes. And they'd be like, cool, we're in. Um, and I had a handful of guys. So it was, it was, it was cool. And it was like a great lifestyle. It allowed me to do my podcast, do the training that I wanted to do. And it was, it was good life. And then I met um, a young guy called Nick Mares, who was the founder of Kettle and Fire, a bone oh, health yeah. company, very successful. Yeah. And I took a meeting with him about raising money for him, possibly investing in upside. And as soon as I heard him tell the story, knowing what I knew of finance and CPG brands and what that struggle is to get access, non-dilutive working capital, it was such a, it was so obvious that this was going to succeed and he was just starting and we just hit it off. And he happened to, he was trying to hire a CFO that, 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 that deal fell apart. So he called me out of the clear blue 
and said, look, can you help me identify some other CFO candidates? And I said, yeah. And after a couple of times collaborating on this, he said, would you ever consider coming to run business development? And, and again, I liked the life I was living. I wasn't looking for a job, but it just made so much sense that I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. And it's been an unbelievable success to date where we're busier than I could have ever imagined, almost too busy, which is why I wasn't looking for a job. But it's like, it's definitely become a bit of a passion project. I've never, ever, even when I was having success in pure finance, I never was like, oh, I can't wait to go to work Monday. Like, yeah. this is just, it's, it's a job. This, I'm actually like, I feel we're actually helping people. Like when we take meetings with brands, nine times out of 10, they're like, I can't believe it took me this long to like, that took someone this long to figure the solution out. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been awesome. Um, so anyway, that's, that's badass. My, uh, no, that's really that's cool. That's my man. career finance highlights. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, no, it's cool. Cause you kind of, it sounds like you were kind of in the, you know, what I guess most people would think of as the corporate side of finance. And it seems like you along the way kind of pretty quickly figured out how to kind of hustle it and, and create your own endeavor, right? Like it didn't seem like, it doesn't sound like you stayed in that world very long. You kind of got out and started supporting yourself and you kind of came uh, man, I, you kind I of maybe always have been. I spent 20 years in sales and trading in different capacities. And um, I would say that in the mid, in my mid thirties, as I started to get into endurance sports, everything that good, everything good in my career came professionally came from endurance sports. I met the best clients because of our um, shared appreciation of endurance sports. I, I credit, I credit being active and, and, and being passionate about something with, with, with all of my success, whatever little success I've had is, is based on shared appreciation and passion for endurance sports. But I think that applies to anything. Like I tell people all the time that if, if, if you're into golf, awesome, be the best golfer in the world. Cause I guarantee if you're a scratch golfer, there are golf nerds out there that will be like, dude, this guy's a scratch golfer. I want to play with them every weekend. And they'll do business with the guys that they hang with. You're a product of the people you surround yourself with. So I, I surround myself with people I admire and want to be like, and want to spend my time with, which is, you know, when you say, that you mentioned earlier that you became aware, aware of me at the um, Jake Paul fight. I was with um, my friend, Dustin Poirier, uh, Jesse Itzler and uh, Devin Lebeck. And um, just, just some guys. like very, you know, not well-known people either. Yeah. And me, and I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm happy and, and, and proud to call those guys, my peers. And um, you, you know, I think that, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and, you know, part of moving in those circles is like, regardless of what it is, like be the best at something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Devin has his niche with this health and wellness, this fitness angle. Jesse's obviously an entrepreneurial like legend, right? Yeah, he's, right. he's a motivational guru. And Dustin Poirier is like the best at punching faces for money. Oh yeah. And, uh, and he's the nicest guy you could ever possibly meet in combat sports. So look, I think that, you know, you've got to figure out like, why, why would someone want to be around me? These are questions that I would ask myself and, and that people listening should ask themselves is like, why, why would someone want to be around you? What do you bring to the table? And if the, and if 
the answer is a nothing. I'm just a super fan or I'm just super interested. Like that ain't enough brother or sister. You need to like bring something to the table and it doesn't it, even, maybe it's just passion, but it has to be sincere. You're not going to fake your way through with truly successful people. They're going to like, they're not, they're not, you're not going to get in that inner circle. And I joke sure. with but Jesse has a business partner, Mark Hodelik, who I love, super nice guy, founded 29029, like a mountain climbing um, experiential type thing that they just sold to Nordic Track or iFit. And um, <laughs> I tell him all the time that we have our own little uh, inner circle. And we joke about it because if, whenever he meets someone, he's like, you got to meet this guy. I'm like, is this guy going to make it into the inner circle? And he's like, he's definitely in the inner circle. <laughs> so but those are things that like you, you should ask yourself is like, why would someone want to hang with me? And sure. just being wit, just being witty isn't enough unless you're like Dave Chappelle, who I also like to call my friend. Oh, wow. I didn't even know Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. no, that's a good point. And, and you've kind of, I mean, just given your background, I think it's interesting because you've kind of been able to do what you just said in a few different avenues in my perspective, like finance. It sounds like you just became, you just became obsessed with, it seems like the space. It seems like you, I mean, health and wellness and those C, in like health and wellness CPG brands, which is also kind of like my avenue. Um, seems like that was just a big focus. And then you found a way to tie finance into it, which is really, really cool. And then, is that, I mean, is that kind of true? Is that kind of like, I mean, you know? I was in finance, hating every second of it. It paid the bills, but then I, everything just came together where I, I met David Sinclair. He asked me to come help him. We had success. And then I was like, oh shit, I bet I can do this as a, as a full-time gig. And you know, that took conviction. I have four little kids. I mean, I don't have I, I'm not close to being able to retire. So the thought of leaving the security of a job but uh, was was overwhelming and, and wrought with fear. But I will tell you that one of the biggest disservices you can do yourself is to get comfortable collecting a salary. It's almost like the big lie is like, okay, you can work in finance and you can make money. And, and I don't want to put dollar figures on it because everyone's, everyone's uh context is different for what they need or what they want but you know let's see. anyway you, you you can make a comfortable living in finance and, yeah. and and for the people that are excel and exceed there is a way to make to get fabulously wealthy but if you look at how many people when this when the whole crisis started and people just branded everyone as wall street and finance i'm like oh it's so it's such a stupid comment there's so many people in so many areas of finance but i've always been in on the banking side like sales and trading like yeah. institutional trading you know and um you can make a good living doing that if that's what you want but you're also going to work you know 10 14 hours a day i don't want to do that that's not what life is man it's not like hey let me spend the best years of my life handcuffed to a trading desk i get it if that's what you want is that safety good on you but i want to like be able to do things during the day and like live my life you only get to be alive once i don't want to spend my best years sitting around in an office with guys who some of whom i like and some i can't fucking stand right um you know and oh and, yeah and definitely and when you're in that trap you're not free to explore opportunities that come up i was actually with devin levesque last night in new york we went to the um Teddy Atlas dinner and we'll come back to Teddy Atlas, my partner in the podcast. And we went to a Teddy, Teddy Atlas's uh, charity dinner, annual dinner on um, 
Staten Island with my friend Rob Moore, who produces the podcast, who's also entrepreneurial wizard and wildly, wildly successful. And we were talking and I said, man, we were talking about different things and nutritional companies and different things we wanted to talk about together professionally. And I said, here's the thing that people are missing and that I was missing for years by having a, a full-time job. You don't have the opportunity to explore these opportunities and, and, and situations with like-minded people when you are committed to a, 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 jo- a corporate job. Yeah, you, you can't definitely. leave in the middle of the day and like go take a meeting about some, you know, protein blend or some new consumer product that you're interested in. But if you have the balls to like strike out and do that and you're genuinely passionate about it, it's not something you're going to fake your way through. Like you have to really commit to this, right? Especially when you have kids. Um, you know, if you can figure it out, it becomes like, I, I say to my wife frequently, I'm like, can you believe that this is my life? Look at what we've created. Because again, I had a sociology degree. When I moved to New York and started working in finance, it wasn't like they had a fucking parade for me on Wall Street. Like, Ken's here. Thank God he's out of school. He's ready. <laughs> yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, how no works. one was looking for me. You like, you had to knock the door down. And, and, yeah. and again, I wasn't going to get into a banking program with a sociology degree from Framingham State. I wasn't going to get into like the analyst program at City. But the minute that I transitioned from a broker to the sell side at Natixis, I was now on a level playing field with some of these dorks. And then it's all about what have you done for me lately? Who's the top dog? Who's the best salesman? And there were many years where I was on trading desks with guys that had MBAs from Ivy League undergrad and MBA from Ivies. And it was just like, none of that shit matters when you're out on the field, Mm. right? Once the game starts, whatever the sport is, none of that shit matters. It's kind of like an even playing field, right? Dude, it's like getting in a boxing ring. Once you get inside the ring at a championship fight, and this is Teddy Atlas's term or phrase, you've got 36 minutes to make life fair. And the minute that they Whoa. fucking turned me loose on a trading desk, I was like, I got one fucking chance to make life fair and I'm not going to waste it. And I did it. And, it, you know, I did it to a certain extent. I mean, look, there's people that are like much more wildly successful than me if you're just measuring dollars and cents. But that's not what life is about. I've got four beautiful kids. My oldest daughter is adopted from Ethiopia. I'm living my fucking best life. I couldn't be happier. Yes, I'd love to have more money, but I got, I, I, I've got freedom. Yeah, I'm doing things I like. I'm around good people, you know, but obviously, I, as you can tell from the running and the things that I do, like I'm not satisfied. I'm not resting on my laurels, but it's important that you enjoy your life. You know, I think a lot of times people are worried about once I get this much money, I'll be happy. Once I get to point C, I'll be happy. Like, dude, you better enjoy the journey from journey, B to man. C or else you're going to get to C and realize you only got a few years left. Yeah, right. Well, that's all. And that's honestly one of the reasons I want to talk to you is you seem like someone who is truly obsessed with the process, which is something I, you know, I'm striving to do as well. And by talking to, you know, very interesting people, I think you get a good sense of, of who has it and who doesn't. I mean, for you, I mean, I think one of the things that stood out to me of what that whole segment you just talked through is, you kind of something hit you when it's maybe one day or maybe it was over some time where you realize staying in the rat race of, of this corporate world was not going to make you fulfilled and happy. Do you remember kind of like what it was? Was it a day? Was it something you were working through? Like, 
how did all of a sudden it hit you that like, Hey, this seems like a big joke. I need to like get out of this and, and, and work for myself and figure out ways to build wealth on my own. Cause I think it's a, a challenge that a lot of people face. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, look, that's a good question. I was scared shitless for the longest time. I didn't, I, I was too scared to do it. And I didn't even know what I would do. I was just knew that I wasn't happy, but I was like, you know, I was, I was making things happen and making money and, and, and that part was good, but it was like, it wasn't fulfilling. And, and when I went, I would say once I started to work at the Palisades group, when I, when I joined the guy at the asset manager in LA, that I, I liked that job. I mean, like I use the word like liberally here. I, I wasn't like, Oh, I can't wait to go to work. But I had pride in it because everything that I did was immediately measurable. Like I raised those discretionary funds. We had multiple meetings with placement agent, placement agents and bankers who were like, no, nah, I don't think you can do it. And they'd ask me, well, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, I think we can do it. And they say, why do you think so? I said, why do you think we can't? Motherfucker, I think I'm going to win the New York Marathon until you beat me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sincerely, I'm like, if, if the answer is no, you don't think we can do it. Well, I'm in the same position now as I am tomorrow if I don't try. But if I start taking shots on net, one of them might go in. Yeah, right. So my attitude was like, let's try. And I did it and we did it. And it was like, I mean, even now I sometimes got to pinch myself like, holy shit, we did that. Just takes one yes. And again, the guy who gave us the first yes, yes was a, a guy who managed a family, a big family office in New York, who's I consider one of my very best friends that I know only through endurance sports. Wow. And all we do is train together. And he's, you know, once you, once you have the trust and, and respect of your peers, it's easy to, it's easy to do business with people you trust and respect. And um, those, those trades and those investments have worked out incredibly well for him and obviously it worked out well for the firm and for me because once I demonstrated to myself that I could do this you know because we all suffer from a bit of this imposter syndrome or fraud complex where you're like only as good as your last trade like I'll never do that I'll never be able to be that good again like you realize quickly that I, I forget where I read this but someone said um while you're worried about people thinking you're an imposter, um, most successful people that whose opinions you care about are too busy dealing with their own shit to worry about what you're doing. Isn't that the truth? And you just got to get on with it, man, and start shooting the lights out. Shoot from everywhere. Because just that. sitting still and not shooting, I can guarantee you, you're not going to score a goal if you don't take shots. Love that, Ken. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I, uh, I guess when this comes out, yeah, we'll, we'll be there. I'm kind of, I'm getting into that world right now. Like I I've been, you know, working for companies for the last seven years since I graduated and um, just about to jump into my first like true entrepreneurial journey here. Uh, that's something we're working on all year. So yeah, I, what are you going to do? Um, we're, we're working through um, bu basically building. So in the, in the health and wellness space, obviously, like I said, me and uh, a buddy, uh, who both have been in the space for a long time. I've really, really specialized in e-commerce. So obviously selling on Amazon, Walmart, Thrive, Box, all these different online platforms. So really we're, we're building a, you know, a platform to help the next, you know, the next food and beverage brands uh, in the CPG space, help them scale on, on uh, online. So 
we can get into it more detail if you want, maybe even after. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. I think it was a, it was kind of a light bulb moment, especially during COVID of just like, you know, I, I love this space. Um, very passionate about it, but like, I don't think I can just sit in the seat I've been sitting in for the last few years and expect like, I, it hit me one day that I didn't want my boss's job. And I think that was like the first light bulb that went off. That was like, when you don't want your boss's job and you definitely don't want your boss's boss's job, like you probably need to like reevaluate where you're heading. Um, so that's what I did. And so I don't know. It's, so it's exciting. I guess when you were talking through all that, it ma- makes me feel like very much what the last really year, year and a half has been for me, which is just, you know, reevaluating the trajectory I'm going on. I turned 30 a few weeks ago. So, at, you know, 30 is not a crazy milestone, but it's enough where you're kind of like, you look back on your twenties and you're like, all right, well, I've been working since I was, you know, 22. Um, so I've had almost eight years in the working world and I'm like, have, have great experience, but I think I can do a lot more. So anyway, that's where I'm at. So that, well, that's what- you're, you're doing it now. You do, you did the, you took the first step. You're out here, like doing your own podcast. The amount of people that I talked to that are like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and, and that, this and the other thing. But you're out here, you're recording a podcast. And, and even if it had fucking two listeners, yeah. if you keep doing it, a, you're going to get better and B, people will start to listen if it's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And you don't know until you try. I'd say the same thing with everybody. It's like you, you and you just hit it on the head. You, you really have no idea what you can or can't accomplish until you start taking some shots. And it's cool because you've done this a couple of times. So, I mean, obviously, we just hit on the, the finance side of things. Um, what got you into all the endurance racing? Because, I mean, that's something we can chat through. But to give everyone a sneak peek, I mean, you just won the the New York City Marathon, you know, the age group championship, right? You finished first, which was, I mean, that was huge won, for you. Yeah, that was, I, won, was I, won my, I won my own age group of 50 plus by 16 minutes, but I won the master's division of 40 and over, which was my athletic crowning achievement. Think about that. Congrats, it took me until I was 50 years badass. old to like feel like I did something like that made me feel really proud. You, what was, was your time common, again, too? I ran 233 in, in New York, but I ran, um, I ran 229 a month before in London and my, and, and let the year before I ran 228 in, um, in, in Sacramento. Just to give you a, a reference point, I ran, I ran New York in 2017. I, I just turned 26 and I ran it in 538. It was like, basically crawling across the finish line so i i you you watching you run lately and some of the stuff you've been posting i'm like i need to get back into this like i it pisses me off now that i see my time and i'm like I, it was fucking horrible i should i should have walked faster than that you know what i mean I'm like 538 you're, you're posting you're posting three you finished a marathon three hours faster than me well the nice thing is everything that I've done and everything we've talked about is available to everyone and anyone. If you care enough to try and get it, I didn't, I don't have any special skills. I'm not a particularly naturally gifted athlete. I'm like Jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, I played quarterback in high school and college. I played hockey, but I was like, just, okay. I just, I just was there and it took me a long time to figure out something I was good at and, um, or that I had desire to like dig in and, and with team sports, you can only be as good as your team. And so in a certain extent, so, so to a certain extent, you're limited there. But when I started to run and ride my bike, I also boxed for a while. I boxed for the New York athletic club and had some amateur fights. And then, um, 
But yeah, man, it's, man, I, I can't stress to you enough how flattering it is that people are interested in hearing my story. Like sometimes as I'm sitting here listening to myself fucking ramble, I'm like, man, I am so grateful that people care about what I have to say and that people are interested in me. I appreciate you having me on here. Anyone who's listening, thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm just, I'm humbled. And, and at times like this, I just get overwhelmed with emotion. I'm like, man, in my mind, I'm fucking, I'm like grinding away in the basement, eating raw eggs. Like in my, in my mind, that's how I live. I'm like, I get up, I do my work. If it's pouring, snowing, fucking hurricane, I run. And it's not for accolades. It's not for attention. But before you know it, when you become passionate about something and you dedicate yourself to something, people start to notice. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the ultimate reward. It's like, holy shit, dude. I didn't even think people knew who I was. And now people like want to hear my story on a podcast. I'm like, oh my God, is this, is this really happening? And you know, even like you said, I see you hanging out with, with Jesse and Dustin and Devin. And I'm like, yeah, I guess when I think about it, fuck, I can't believe these guys are my friends. Pretty cool, and right? I, yeah, man. And I mean, the thought that someone might think that about me is like, I, it's a big responsibility. And I think about it when I train now and I think about it when I race, I'm like, yo, the, 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 the one of the greatest character traits you can have in life is to be dependable can i count on this motherfucker and even if it's just referring to yourself i can count on me i i, I know like having worked when i was working in london and enron went bust and my world collapsed i was i was making a lot of money and when you make a lot of money you spend a lot of money and when enron went bust i was think to myself oh my god how embarrassing like i haven't saved enough i'm, I'm like I'm starting from zero again. And then I did it again. I reinvented myself and got into credit derivatives and started making more money than I did the last time. And then the financial crisis hits and I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to get another job. And then after about fucking 20 of those type incidents, you're like, fuck it. I know I can depend. I know who's got my back. Me. Sure. Fuck and, yeah, right? You know, I still definitely get scared and nervous all the time. I have fucking anxiety just thinking about the race tomorrow, the I national bet. half marathon. But I know that everyone else is having those feelings too. And when I get down there, I'm going to be as scary as a motherfucker on the start line and intimidate as much as I can until the race is over. And then I'll be like this, everyone's best friend and happy to tell everyone about what I'm thinking. But I love when, we're on the, when the race starts though, I'll step on your throat to win. <laughs> I love it, man. It's such a strong mentality to have. Cause I think you, you hit, you hit something that I've, I've slowly, but surely realized is like, as you get older, as you take more shots, even as you have some wins, like you said it perfectly a little earlier, like no one's going to be there. Like, like waving the flag, like, here you go. Congrats. Can't believe you made it. Can't believe you did it. Like, I feel like as you, <laughs> no work, one's looking for you. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, as, as, as you meet, as I meet more people and, and try more things, you start to realize that like, Nope, like you at the end of the day are the only one that's going to realize like what you've done or how much you've accomplished or how much hard work you put into something. Um, it's kind of the fun too. It's like the process. Like maybe that's, that's what it's all about in the end, right? You're just trying to make the best, it's, the best life you, you can for yourself. You have to live for you, man. Obviously in the people around you, I always tell people, listen, 
80% of the people in the world don't give a shit about you or your problems. And the other 20 are glad you have them. So stop looking for other people to solve your problems and fix them yourself. And the best part is the better you are at solving problems for yourself, the more people want to help you. It's yeah. like the rich get, it's the rich get richer. The, the, the more famous you are, and, and, and that's just in reference to myself, but like using professional athletes, the bigger athlete you are, the more shit people give you. It's literally like everything is free at a certain point. Once you have a level of like success and fame and not that that's a caveat or a carrot for someone to chase, but it's, it's the way the world works, man. It's like, no one's like, life isn't fair. Yeah. Life is what you make it. And like I said earlier, like with fighting, you get chances in life, like a fighter getting a shot at the title. You got 36 minutes to make life fair. It doesn't matter where you've been, who your parents are. You can put yourself in situations to get a crack at the title, whatever the title is. You have to take advantage. No one's coming to help you. Right. Stop looking for people to fucking help you and cheerlead you. Be your best. Be your own cheerleader and, 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 and your own worst enemy. I am the last person that I want to see on the start line. I'm the last person I want to see at the track when I have to do 400s and 800s by myself. Honestly, it's like I have two personalities. There's one guy who's like, fuck this. It's too hot. Let's not do this, dude. It's dangerous hot. And another guy who always wins, who's like, you are a pussy. Don't yeah. you even consider not doing this. 100%, fuck man. Here. Yeah. Get out of love here, that. dude. And, and, and I know that that sounds cliche and corny and I, 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 to a certain extent, I really don't care, but that's just my truth. That's what happens. That's the fucking conversation that I have with myself. I don't want to go. It's hot, especially the heat. I hate the heat. And now the guy that controls the fucking, that controls the like, uh, is it the control center of my body? That's like, no, nope, <laughs> you're going. Doesn't matter. Tough I, luck. I love that. Yeah. I resonate with that a lot. Uh, you know, it's funny to backtrack of me a little bit. It's funny. I, uh, when I ran the marathon, I don't, and again, I just undertrained, didn't do the things I should have. And I screwed up my knee. So when I got back from the marathon, I remember, uh, we just moved to Chicago and I was trying to find a way to just rehabilitate my knee without, do, you know, I didn't want to have surgery or anything. I just like had messed up some tendons and it was in a weird spot. Anyway, long story short, I met this guy who he's in the, he's in the supplement space. He's like, a you know, his name's Corey Gregory. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He started Muscle Farm and he's he's in that space. Anyway, he started. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. I know Muscle Farm. Okay. So he turned me on to lunging. He started doing like 400 to 800 meters a day of body weight lunges. So basically go to a track and, and just lunge one or two laps around a track. And he started this thing, just basically a streak. Like he's how many days in a row, like non-negotiable. Can you do this? And so I, um, I did it every day last year. And then this year I have not missed a day. So I'm on day like 670 something in a row of at least 400 meters. And I call it, I tell my wife every morning, it's like the first thing I do when I get up, I run to the track, I lunge and I do my workout. And that's like, I won the day. If I, if I like start my work day at, you know, eight thirty nine, like I've already done all that, like any of the other bad shit that comes, whatever I won the day. But I always say it's like my it's my it's my chance every day to just not be a bitch. I'm like, you can yeah. get up, you can run your ass over the track, fucking lunge around the track once or twice and come back. Like anyone can do that. Um, to people who to. To, to people when you tell when you tell them that you're gonna run every day for um, 600 days, that seems overwhelming. It seems impressive to anyone, but to you, it's not. It's just like your routine. It's well, and I always like, tell people it's not. I even, don't negotiate on my goals. 
Yeah. I always say it's non-negotiable. I always say I, I've gotten obsessed and I'm sure it sounds like you do the same thing. It's like thinking about anything big picture is I think where I, even I get overwhelmed, but it's like, what's like the one little thing I can do every single day. Like just the compound effect. Right. Cause like, that's the same thing. I'm, I do. I just do it every day. It's 30 minutes from start to finish 30 minutes out of 24 hours in a day. Like I can find 30 minutes at some point in my day. And I think a lot of people probably could. Oh, not, not probably. They could if they <laughs> wanted to, if it's important enough. Like I said, yeah. I've got, I've got a full-time job, a podcast for kids training, but everything gets done Yeah, because I don't negotiate. If I have to get up at 4 a.m. to get the run in, then that sucks, but that's what I'm doing. And then I'll just have to go to bed earlier the next night. You know, it is. Yeah. This is, this is a simple equation, man. If it's important to you, if it's important enough to you, you'll figure it out. And if, and if, you know, hopefully if anything that I've done resonates with anyone and it's something they think that they want, it's a very, very easy uh, process. Just start working and work works. It yeah. works. You right. Do it, it works. Just end. keep going. And people and people will recognize dedication and conviction and commitment. And if I, I'm interviewing people at our, I mean, we're hiring people like left, right, and center. And um, if I interview someone and they don't have a ton of outside interests and they don't have any kind anything that they're passionate about, it makes me question their sanity. I'm like, dude, we're like, you don't have anything else going on. And, and okay, if you're obsessed with finance or lending or then you should be, if that's all you do, then you should be the most successful like entrepreneur in that space in the world. Cause there's a lot of fucking time in the day. And if that's yeah. all you care about, you better be like a world beater. Right. So. Yeah. Just if you're spending all day, every day on that one thing, right? <laughs> Other than that, you better have some interest. If you're not like just all to, only into one thing and not the best at it. I got a question. What the fuck are you doing wrong? Yeah. Right. 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 No, I, I hear you loud and clear. So it sounds like your obsession outside of your day job became endurance sports but you're in, so you're you, endurance sports and then I, my other curiosity was your podcast because obviously like being with teddy atlas i don't know a ton about boxing i'm probably a little more versed in the ufc and mixed martial arts than i am boxing but i'm i've honestly become very intrigued recently with just the attention that's been brought to it so i'm trying to learn more but like how did you even get hooked up with teddy atlas and starting a podcast like what's your background in boxing and fighting and just love that. I realized like the, the cross way of me running into you is multiple ways. It was like the endurance running and then also the, the fighting. I was like, wait, I got to understand how, how this all works. Cause you have some really cool things outside of your day job. Yeah. Well, like I told you earlier, everything good in my life came from endurance and uh, my brother, Rob Moore, one of my dearest friends, I, he happened to move to LA at the same time I moved to LA and we started training together in triathlon. That's it riding bikes together four or five hours, a couple of days a week, swimming, endless laps in a pool, running. I mean, we did so much shit. To, we spent so much time together. I spent more time with this dude than my wife, I think. And um, he was a uh, PR uh, professional at Edelman, you know, working in corporate public relations. Yeah. And he did exactly what I did, but he was young. He's only 35 now. So I probably met him when he was, geez, I guess 20 in his late twenties. And he was leaving Edelman to work on his own, do freelance PR. And I said, you should do some for fighters. It's a long story, but ah. he did some work for another friend of mine, Mike Lee, who is a Notre Dame grad, who was a world champion at um, super middleweight. And, and I said, 
Rob, this guy's got a great story. Mike, you should have someone helping you with PR and pitching you to Men's Health and Wall Street Journal. And, you know, in traditional PR, you get paid for effort, not success. So I said to Rob, like, why don't you charge these people like for success? Like if you get them like good bookings, like, so instead of like, let's say five grand a month, tell them if I get you in the Wall Street Journal on Men's Health, it's like 10 grand. But if I don't, then maybe you pay me like a thousand a month. I'm I'm just making numbers up, but But whatever the formula is to the actual end user there. So he did it. And that's how I've always worked in finance. When I raise capital for a company, they don't pay me unless I succeed and raise the money. And then you get paid percentage of the, of the capital raised, but I'm also a registered broker dealer, which is a requirement to pay someone for raising capital. But um, yeah, so Rob met Mike Lee, Mike Lee, Mike Lee's dad was heavily involved in his career, met Rob and, and knew Teddy and said to Rob, you should help Teddy. He's been at ESPN for years, but they haven't been using him, but he has an audience. And Teddy was using like a flip phone at the time, no social media. (laughs) Rob met him. They hit it off. Rob took over his social media channels to set them up. Teddy does all the social media posts, but Rob set all the handles up and started posting for Teddy. And he said, look, you should start a podcast. I know a guy. Ken might be interested. You guys should talk. I met Teddy. We did a few episodes. I was terrible. I got better. Everyone's bad when they start, right? Yep. You know, it's just like reps. The more you do, it just becomes natural. It becomes second nature. And I mean, you still always get like nervous. I mean, now we've interviewed, I mean, the guys on the wall here, Regis Prograde, Vasily Lomachenko, Israel Adesanya, Dustin Poirier, Francis Ngannou, like legends in sport, legends, Evander Holyfield, the fucking, my favorite boxer in all time, Mickey Ward, the uh, subject of the movie, The Fighter. Mickey was a guard with me in the prison. That's where I met him. We were both guards and both of our brothers were inmates in that prison, coincidentally. Oh, wow. Um, Really? That's a wild story. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, we start. It's just been unbelievable. But again, that connection and that relationship stemmed from endurance sports. And a matter of fact, Rob introduced me to my other friend who invested and, and help get the ball rolling at Palisades, who was the first guy who was like, okay, I'll make like a sizable institutional investment in this firm and help you buy it from the bank of California bank from a bank. And um, it was just everything good came from this blind commitment to being good at endurance sports with no, and no, I didn't have a, um, a master plan. I just was like, this is a great outlet for, for, for uh, competitive energy and it's, mm-hmm. and it's good for my mental health as well, which is why I started it. I was like, man, this is a, I was lifting weights and shit, but I mean, you know, I was getting older, looking like a bubble head. Like, I don't want to look like a bodybuilder. Like, you know, I mean, I still struggle to not like get too skinny or too muscular. It's like, <laughs> it's like constant struggle, but I digress. Um, yeah, so that's oh, how the that. podcast got started with Teddy, and now it's rocking and rolling. It's it's huge now. It's got like two hundred and ten thousand subscribers, almost forty million views on just on YouTube. Oh my it's, god! Wow, I didn't realize it was that oh, big. That's, huge. Come that's on, awesome. Man. Do your research. I know exactly. Where are you, I, where well, are your fact checkers? Hey, I know. This is just me. This is a one man show over here. Um, no, I knew it was big, but that's those numbers are real big. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, it's funny. Is I think a lot of people don't realize this too. It's like, it's like that's a good example of you're just you're always working you're always hustling you're always talking to people you're, just, you're trying to be a good person and, and work your ass off 
And then that turned into something that like, that could be probably, I'm assuming that could be a enormous source of revenue or something that could be like a probably a full-time job for one person. Like that podcast, that, that size. For, 100%. Like that's why. And that's just one of the Easily. fun things you get to do. It's crazy to think that it actually makes a dollar because I'd pay to do it. I love it. What, yeah, I say that about this. Like the amount the people I get to meet on the podcast. Um, I don't. It's funny how, and I think it's cool. It sounds like your story is very similar in regards to like a lot of these things that you're hustling on. They seem like they're synergistic. Like th- the the fitness and the endurance turned into the podcast. But I bet, the, I bet the podcast and having these people on and getting to meet all these wild fighters has turned into business opportunities and different things you get involved with. Like it all kind of just flows and works together in ways you can't. You can never like there's, expect. There's all kinds of irons in the fire, man. And, you know, like I said, if you don't take shots, you're not going to score. But there's some big things that I'm working on with some like awesome people. And um, but first and foremost, we've got this financing company, Upside Financing, that is like rocking and rolling. So that gets all my attention right now. But, you know long term there's some like really big picture stuff that i'm excited about and um like i said this shit's available to everyone man get your friggin' figure out what it is you want to do and get your hat in the ring hell yeah we live in the best country on earth man you can do anything it's free for everyone do what you want don't let anyone else tell you what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing right 100 percent no, hundred percent, man. I love that. Love that. So do you think for you, I mean, I guess you, 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 you're like part of a, basically like a, a startup company at this point, right? So you're kind of like outside sure, startup. Yeah. Are you, do you think that's going to be in your repertoire for a long time? Are you planning on riding that out for a while? Or do you think is the, like, is the podcast going to start taking up more time? Or is it something you're always no, going to no, just no, kind of, no, 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 no. The podcast is a passion project. We've been on a site. We've been on a rhythm now for three years. We, you know, I watch the fights anyway. I love them. I go to as many fights as I can. I mean, prior to COVID, I went to every single big fight. Not that I don't go because of COVID. It's just tougher. It's shit's all over yeah. the place. Yeah, sure. some places, different places. But now having the job and like, I've just been so busy with racing and stuff. But typically, I don't miss any of the fights. Like I was at Poirier's fight when he uh, beat Conor McGregor recently. Oh, jeez. Were you really? Uh, Oh, dude, we were like back at the house with him afterwards. We went to the after party. Uh, Jesse Itzler came out there with me. He hadn't been to, um, I think he had been to the UFC before, but he hadn't met Dustin. So we went there and then we went back to the house with him, Mikey Brown, the coach, uh, Tiago oh. Alves, who just won the Bare Knuckle World Championship. Not, awesome. not to jump like in. Someone else's life. Yeah. What was that like when he knocked off Connor, like being there after? I can only imagine what that was like for like him. Watching your, like watching your brother or your son beat up his fucking nemesis and i don't so root against cool. connor i don't have a problem with connor but dustin i love dustin for he's like i consider him like a dear friend so watching your friend get in a fight is very very difficult thing to do <laughs> yeah know? i was gonna say was it tough i've heard that from people who are like close to the fighting circle like it's very tough to hard. watch your friend you know it's very fight. hard man and it's very hard as you get to know these guys it's very very hard this is like you don't fucking play boxing or play ufc it's like a fight and people can get hurt it's it's scary yeah yeah the part that makes you love it is like these are like modern day gladiators that are in an arena not fighting to the death because they'll stop before you get to kill the guy (laughs) but in 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 a lot of instances like he's pretty close you choked him unconscious if we don't stop here like someone's gonna get hurt yeah yeah that's what makes it appealing is that it's dangerous. And these like brave sons of bitches that get in there and do this for money is like, 
hey, it's hard not to admire these guys. Like that takes a level of courage and commitment that I just personally don't know. Yeah. I, that's it's incredible. I'm with you. I'm, I've, you know, it's funny even talking about this. I've been following it for a long time, like all the different leagues, but I, I've never been to one in person. Is it, is it like something hard to explain? Like if you're up close and you have good seats, is it, is it so much different than watching it on TV? Not so much different, but I think it's the best sporting event in the world to go to. If you told me I could go to watch um, Dustin's fight on December 11th against um, Charles Oliveira for the title, oh. Or the Super Bowl, I would take the UFC all day, every day. Not even. Oh wow! Fucking, okay, not That's even close. Cool. But my friend Rob is getting married that weekend in Mexico, so I'm going to be in Mexico, so I won't be able to attend the fight. But you're going to be, uh, you're gonna be sitting and, there watching the wedding. wedding. You're going to be sitting there on the wedding, and if people are watching. I'm over here like acting like I'm on my phone on the side. You're going to, you're going to have the phone going the whole time. For some people, maybe, but not at Rob's. I love Rob. I would never do that. Like, this is an important day for him. I'm excited yeah. to be there and help him, like, you know, support him and his beautiful wife. So, but yeah, I'm definitely going to miss being there, but not enough to miss my boy's wedding. Love it. I, priorities, man. You talk about it. That's There's it. Lots dependable, of things going dude. on. You make but dependable priorities. Love it. Dependable. But yeah, so we, so Jesse and I went to that. And then uh, that was super fun after the fight is it's awesome. It's just overwhelming joy, you know, it's yeah. just happy. It's like, and, and it took a long time in my own life to get to the point where you could be so genuinely selflessly happy for other people. It's very difficult early on when you've never had anything to watch other people succeed and be genuinely happy for them. It takes a level of like maturity and experience to recognize that when, when you have those feelings of like, wait a minute, am I like really happy for this person? And if I'm not, why? And, 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 and after you've been able to identify that addressing it, and now I have this like, you know, uh, look, it took me 50 years to get to this point, but now I genuinely feel like such deep appreciation for the people that are close to me. And look, a lot of that, like I said, comes from experience and realizing like how, how, precious life is and have you know when you've experienced a lot of ups and downs you it makes you really appreciate the good times and and how good they are for other people too that that it doesn't have to be you winning all the time for you to feel the joy of someone else winning sometimes you almost get the same high of watching your friends or your family or your kids achieve their own goals like rob my friend Rob won the Malibu half marathon um, this past Sunday. I've won it the two years prior because we oh, both cool. lived out there. And I said, dude, someone from our podcast, and there's only three of us, has won the last three of four Malibu half marathons. And the one that we didn't win was won by an Eritrean former Olympic runner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you guys so, are in good company. Yeah. But I was just so happy for him. I was like, I know that feeling when you win a race, that's like, holy shit. I won the Malibu half marathon. Like this is a big race. Oh, so, I bet. Yeah. I mean, that's such a wild, I mean, most people run those and just, they're just hoping to finish. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Totally that, was me when I to win. that was me when I started and I very quickly realized like, this is just about suffering who can yeah. suffer the most in training. And I, and I want to win. Uh, this is maybe a dumb question because I know you're you're well into you've tried lots of different things, but you're you're someone who I feel like would become very obsessed with um, the sport of CrossFit. Have you ever done much CrossFit training? 
No, no, not really. I mean, I've lifted weights, obviously, my whole life. And um, I would say I love doing pull-ups. To me, the pull-ups is like the barometer for all fitness. Like, love if that. I can't if I can't do like five sets of 20 pull-ups, then I'm like, holy shit, I got to get my fat ass in shape. But that's <laughs> how I measure where I'm at with fitness is with pull-ups. Yeah. So when I see all those guys doing the muscle-ups in, in uh, CrossFit, it makes me think like, I bet I could do that. But I just... The only reason I say it is because it's all like, and I'm not trying to sell you on it. I just do it from time to time. And I have a garage set up and being an RX bar and I've had some CrossFit. I've had the guys, a lot of CrossFit guys on here. Um, It's so interesting because all the things that you are obsessed with, with marathon running, like really CrossFit at the end of the day is all about competing against yourself. Like it's like, if you do one workout today and you do it in two minutes, like the next time you want to do it in a minute 59 and that's, it's as simple as that. So it's very similar to me as like, endurance running and the fact of like you're just trying to beat yourself every time you go do something um <laughs> i've got a whole like rogue fitness gym in my basement like it's oh hell yeah it's it's like my like crowning achievement moving uh from la to nashville i was like all right i really don't want to move but we're moving and obviously it's a lot cheaper to live in nashville than it is to live in the pacific palisades but one of the attractions was that we have a gym i bought the house from a guy who played for the uh titans an offensive lineman chris oh, Benson, nice. great, great guy and he had a, a like a proper gym like rubber floor and stuff he didn't he didn't leave the weights but he had like it was kitted out and then i bought a rogue squat rack dumbbell okay. rack I got freeway. I mean, I got everything. I got like a gold gym in my basement, brand new top of the line rogue fitness equipment. I got Hell a woodway, yeah, I got a woodway treadmill, some heavy bags, mirrors. It's it's a it's awesome. I I, I laugh because I have I have a very similar setup in my garage. Um I did it because when I moved, we lived just west of the city of Chicago and um at RX, they had like a basically like it was something I don't know. I, I had never had this before, but they had like a corporate policy where it was like everyone got I think it was like 250 bucks a month for the gym, which I came from Indiana, 250 bucks for, I didn't even know they had gyms for that much. When I moved here, I was like 250 <laughs> bucks a month. So I, we didn't have a gym close by. It was all in the city. Most people live in the city that work there. So I just was like, Hey, can I just have like, can I just have the amount in cash? And then I'll just build my own. And so that's what I did. I, first couple of years of working there, I just, just took that and I'll built take my the own. money. Yeah. And it was funny. Cause I told my wife, I'm like, that's going to be the most expensive part of moving. Cause I have just all of this, you know, rogue stuff that has to be moved. Like that's going to be more expensive than the furniture and the rest of the house. Whenever we do move someday. No, it's really cool. I love that. That's sweet, man. Well, um, I know I've taken a ton of your time, so I really appreciate this conversation. Ken, this has been really fun to, to hear your story. There's, there's a few questions at the very end. I, I always love to ask guests. I think you're going to have some really cool ones. So I wanted to make sure I had time to ask you this. The first one. Yeah. No, hold on. Hold on. No yeah, problem. No, go for it. I, I just want to say um, apologies. If you have a normal structure, I realize I in hindsight that I was rambling. And I think this is all part of the, of who I am is like in my mind, as we're going through this, I'm like, have I been terrible on this? Like, am I oh, fucking no, rambling? Am I like, have I been structured enough? Have I been steering this like a, almost like writing a book if I've been progressing. So I hope if, 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 if for you and for anyone who might be listening that it wasn't seeming to jump all over the place. I'm sorry for the cursing. I swear to God, when I worked in the prison, I picked up a horrible habit of cursing. <laughs> it. And I'm serious. After, after, and, and I've never been able to get rid of it. Even in casual conversations with my children, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, what the fuck is that guy doing? And, she, and my, my kids and my wife are like, dude, watch the language. I'm like, sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> like, I just can't help it. <laughs> but I would never tolerate them talking like that. And when my kids are like, dad, why are you using bad words? I said, 
it just shows you what a simpleton I am. Only someone who doesn't have command and confidence in the language and ability to communicate peppers in these curse words. And knowing that I still can't stop, I'm a maniac. But no, anyway, so no, it's funny. The- no, no, no. To answer your question, I do not have a structure. And honestly, the okay. converse, the podcasts that I've had that have less of a like feels like I'm peppering with questions, like this one is way better. I think. Okay. I mean, it's more for having a conversation. I wanted to learn more right, about cool, you and cool, your story, cool. so this has been perfect. I don't, I don't want to disappoint anyone. So I you're hope definitely that not. It was good. If anything, I too, I hope people it. listen to this. They hear how many, how much cool shit you're doing, and they go check you out because that's <laughs> that's really where you'll see the you know all the different stuff Ken's doing. It's it's remarkable. Well, just honestly. know Ken doesn't think he's cool. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> maybe that's that, why I'm still hustling. That's exactly why I think. I think that's the key to life. I'm starting to learn is like don't think you're better than you are. That's for sure. Um, so you're doing lots of stuff, and so this question is really around just like what do you use you know, day in and day out to, you know, plan daily tasks. You, I'm sure you have goals in life. Like, are you a, an app guy? Are you a pen and paper? Like what, what do you use to just organize your life and keep track of all the shit you're trying to accomplish? It's right up here in the fucking steel trap. No, I don't. <laughs> I use Google. I use a Google calendar to a certain extent, but the crazy thing is it this thing just kind of spiraled to the point now where my calendar is so jammed. Like, I don't even want to look at it. Cause I know oh, there's really? something else. I know there's something else I've got to do. And it's almost like, I feel like, uh, what's the, what, what, what does it, is it an ostrich that hides his head in the sand? Yeah. Six or head. Yeah, I sand. feel like a fucking ostrich right now. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to deal with it. You're like, but I'm just going to stay on this to. podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I don't have, I, I listen, it's like when people ask me how much stretching do you do? How much, uh, prehab and rehab. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to d- ruin every physical therapist day when I tell you I don't do any stretching I don't do any prehab or rehab if I have an injury I know how to fix most of them um and I don't have formal processes for anything and matter of fact if there were if there was a critique from former employee employers and colleagues I think a lot of people would be like I don't know how this kid gets how this guy gets stuff done he gets stuff done, but he's got the worst process in the world. If he got hit by a car, we wouldn't know what the fuck he's working on. And that's my own weakness that I'm just not very organized relative to someone like Jesse Itzler, for instance, who has a giant big ass calendar club where he writes everything on a huge calendar. I've just never been organized enough, but some people that works with the big calendar. And for me, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just an excuse and I'm just being lazy. Maybe I should do that. But unfortunately I don't. You know, it's funny. Most entrepreneurs I've had on here have told me that they're not organized. I feel like that's probably the most common answer I get to that question is like, I'm very disorganized. So I think there might be some, <laughs> there's some secret in the sauce there of just like the, uh, the chaos Mad scientist. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> just, you take, I always say like the important shit bubbles up. So when, when yeah. it's important, you probably handle it. Um, that's it. The next one, I, you might have some good ones here. I don't know what you do while you run or, or bike, but you you seem you you do physical fitness that takes a lot of time. So you might have a good answer here. What do you for any, everyone listening? Um, do you have any sources of knowledge you'd recommend, whether it be a podcast, a book, anything that you would recommend people should definitely check out? Oh man. It could be a shameless mm. plug for the fight with Teddy Atlas too. <laughs> the fight with Teddy Atlas while you're doing your workouts. No, I, I wish I did, man. It's like everything else that I'm going to tell you is there's no magic answer. There's no, if this was easy, everyone would do it. 
Yeah. Just remember that whatever it is you're trying to do, if it's easy, then most likely other people are having an easy time of it too. And it's probably not worth your time. And the truth is you have to figure out your own solution and your own process. So whether it's listening to motivational podcasts or Joe Rogan podcasts or Tim Ferriss or this podcast, whatever it is, man, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, man. I'm disappointed. I don't, no, I, no. I don't, I mean, I don't make sense. You have to find that in, in yourself. Yeah. What do you normally listen to while you go on like a long run? Do you listen to anything? I listen to my friend Ariel Hawani's MMA hour on oh, Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays. It comes out on Mondays and Wednesdays. So I listen Tuesday and Thursday morning. Then I listen to on Saturdays. I'll listen to the Friday recording of the all in podcast. Have you ever heard that one? I, I think not. it's the best podcast in the world. It's um, David Sack. Um, uh, Shamat. Uh, Polly Hapatia, who was like the chairman of uh, SpaceX, oh. he's like a legendary entrepreneur, Silicon Valley. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, Chamath, well, Jason in. Sachs, and Friedberg. Yeah. 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 Is that Friedberg. It? Yeah. Is that yeah it? That's it. The All In Podcast. To I'm me, that's the best it. podcast in the world. It's fantastic. It comes oh. out on Fridays. So I listen on Saturdays. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just saved it for my thing. I'm going to check this out. That's awesome. I, I love learning about new podcasts because it always points to new people. And again, Dude, those guys are entrepreneurial hustle. wizards, man. Those guys are like, I mean, I think the majority of them are billionaires, if not oh, all of them. Really? And they have a podcast oh, yeah. together. Oh yeah, dude. It's, they are, they are overachievers, man. They're all like early Facebook, Google execs. Got it. Love it. I was say like, it reminds me of like, uh, was it masters of scale with, um, uh, Hoffman, the guy that started LinkedIn, he's got a podcast like that. It's pretty yeah, sad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Reed, yeah. Ho- Reed, uh, Reed, Reed Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, that's it. That's awesome, man. Well, very good. Well, I think you know the last question and the most important for everyone listening is is how can people follow along with your journey and how can people get involved? I know I found you through Instagram. Is that the best way to follow you? Yeah, for social media, that's my main outlet is uh, Instagram. I actually like Instagram. Sometimes I feel like a bit of a douche posting stuff on Instagram. But look, it allows me to connect with people like you and people can, people that want to get in touch with me can. And 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 look, I try to respond to everyone. Occasionally people will be like, hey, give me a call. Let's talk about the fights. And I'm like, motherfucker, I don't even know you. Like, chill, dude, chill. So I would say that. I hope, I hope my, was, my message didn't come yeah. across that way. I Obviously it did. didn't. Obviously it didn't because <laughs> we're here. But um, I would say, yeah, man, anyone who wants to get in touch with me, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Ken Rideout, some, at something like that. I'm sure if you just search yeah, me on there. But, um, you know, I'd say I try to respond to anyone who has any questions or uh, wants to talk to me within reason to recognize I have four kids, a job, a podcast. Guess. so i try to be respectful i just ask people like please just be because re- sometimes i think people need to be reminded like i'm busy man if yeah. i can help you i will help I, if i can help someone i will help them but make it easy if you want me to help you with something don't give me a fucking homework assignment hey ken i i'm, I'm trying to get in touch with so-and-so here's why can you connect me yep not hey i'm thinking about writing a book what do you think the top 10 topics should be and i'm like dude like you want me to fucking write the book too? You <laughs> yeah, know, like exactly. these are just some, some examples of like book? craziness, 
crazy incomings that I get. But, I'm um, sure. Yeah. I'm sure once you, you start running around in the circles that you run around and I'm, I'm sure you get some crazy, crazy responses, but I appreciate you getting back to me and coming on. This has been a blast, man. Dude, I I'm honestly happy, had I'm so much fun here. and you're going to be racing tomorrow. So good luck with the race. Um, by the time this yeah. comes out, you'll hopefully have won. So I <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Hope so. <laughs> awesome. Man. If not, well, if not, they'll have to fucking kill me to beat me. I love that. I, well, hey, I'll be so hope, so hopefully I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's your predicted time tomorrow? I would love to run one eleven. Wow. Okay. All right. Love it. I've run. I've run my my fastest half marathon as just a half marathon was one twelve oh five. I think, but in the first half of Sacramento in two thousand. 18 i ran 110 55 or 59 but a 110 as part of a marathon but it was a fast fast section of the course for the first half so i know i have a 110 in me i don't know if it's tomorrow i should probably just declare that i'm going to run 110 and stop being a pussy but <laughs> i would be psyched to run 110 i'll be yeah. pissed if i run over 112 if i run 112 i'll be disappointed that's pretty crazy that you have it dialed in to know like within two minutes where you should be that's that's pretty within two minutes i'd say like within 60 seconds i can pretty pretty confident that i'll be between 1 11 30 and 12 30 if anything outside of that will be and what does that put you surprised. at a per mile pace like 5 30 that's flying man that is moving love it i got i, I got have one now. speed I only have one speed. I ran the marathon at five thirty nine, and my best half marathon is like five thirty. So oh, <laughs> oh, really? So it's not yeah. any different. You just one speed. It's crazy. Hopefully yeah, the gas, the pedals don't fall off. <laughs> let's go. Love it, man. Well, well, good luck, and uh, it was a pleasure getting to meet you. Uh, thank you, Ken, for the time, man. And um, thank you, brother. Hopefully, we get some get some cool people listening to the, your podcast, and uh, I'm sure we get some new fans following you after this too. Awesome. I hope so. Thank you awesome. for having me and uh, pleasure speaking with you. Awesome. You too, Ken. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck tomorrow. Thanks, brother. Thanks.